Welcome to the Appalachian Baptist Network. We seek to equip, encourage, and engage pastors and church leaders in the Appalachian region. We focus on having conversations on church revitalization in the mountains and beyond. Your hosts are Matthew Jacobs, Brent Snyder, Jacob Gwynn, and Travis Tyler. Welcome back to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Today, it's just the two of us. Me and Jaron Street. How you doing, brother? Doing good. How about you? Well, we're finishing up the Scary Stuff series, right? And it's just yep. me and you to talk about one last subject here in this quick series. And that will be on the subject of demons, which is not one that I guess gets a lot of attention in and of by itself. But with it being October and people thinking about things that are strange and different and supernatural, uh, let's let's start this conversation. First of all, Pastor Jaron, do you believe demons are real? Without a doubt. I think any uh, correct biblical worldview would affirm the existence of demonic spirits. Then let's go to the next step here. What are they? So my understanding uh, would be that, that demons are... Uh, spirit beings, and that they would be the fallen angels that would have been thrown out of heaven with Satan in that rebellion that we read about uh, even before Satan comes to the Garden of Eden to tempt uh, Eve. And then, of course, that leads to Adam's temptation and the fall as well. So I would say uh, demons are those uh, fallen angels uh, that have been... Uh, taken out of heaven in the presence of God there because of their rebellion against him. So these, these demons, they would not have a physical body. That is correct that I guess in and of themselves, not necessarily a physical body, but that's not to say uh, that demons uh, cannot, I guess, interact with the physical if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Right. We uh we see different examples of biblical texts that deal with this word demon, right? What are what are some of the texts that we see in the in the Bible that mention these creatures? Well, you've got uh you know, the Gospel of Mark, you see Jesus and his ministry here on earth. Uh, dealing throughout his ministry with unclean spirits or demons. You know, you can fast forward to the book of Revelation, and you see uh, throughout the book of Revelation um, references there once again to demonic spirits, and uh, uh, those spirits are going to be wreaking havoc, especially it seems in the uh, during the Great Tribulation, the last seven years. Um, but it seems that that... Uh, those two time periods, the time period of Jesus's uh, ministry here on earth when he had taken on flesh, when the word had become flesh, and uh, he, he did that three, three and a half year ministry, you see a great focus in scripture on demonic activity in the world then. You also see it seems to be a foretelling of great demonic activity that's going to be taking place uh, in the world during uh, the end times the the book of revelation but of course you know we see that that scripture references demonic activity old and new testament and we understand that there is demonic activity happening even today let's talk about that for just a minute here uh what would be we we know that angels of the new testament you know their counterparts who never sin 
they're, they're designed to bring glory to God and to carry out God's will. What is the prerogative of demons? What are they doing? What are they most interested in? What is their, I guess, driving goal of, of their activity? Well, so I would say you, you get the contrast there, right? If the angels in heaven, uh, his goal and purpose is to glorify God, then it seems that uh, the demonic, uh, that demons and Satan are seeking to attack uh, the glory of God, seeking to um, draw others away from being the image bearers of God that God created for uh, each of us to be and designed each of us to be, and that uh, can only be restored through a right relationship with Jesus Christ. But it seems then uh, that the demonic's uh, work and their activity now is to especially be attacking those who were made in the image of God and whom God gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, uh, so that all who believe on him would have uh, eternal life, so that they would be uh, attacking uh, not only those made in God's image, but seeking to take them uh, from ever coming to a place of being able to glorify God as we were called to and to, um, you know, the consequences of that is, uh, sin and death. Yeah, these creatures, which in the Gospel of Mark 11 times calls them unclean spirits and 13 times calls them demons, their prerogative is they're trying to do all they can to destroy what God has made good, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously their arms are too short to box with God, so what are they going to do? They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna do everything they can to destroy the image bearers, right? Yes. And to deceive them and to lead them astray. Uh, There was a book I used to own and I loaned it to somebody and I much regret it. It was called the new age nightmare. And in this book, the new age nightmare, it was a guy who came out of the new age movement and he talks about Christ saving him. And in the last experience he had, he, he said you in the new age movement, you would, you would basically do some kind of drugs and you would have these crystals and you would get this spirit guide, which was supposed to like protect you and help you. And they would take you to all these different worlds that you would see in these beautiful places. Well, the last one he did, and I think God did this, kind of ripped the veil off so he could see it. He said he saw his spirit guide and he looked horrible and frightening, scary. And as he began to look around, he saw demons wielding and making all of these delusions for people uh, who were, you know, his, he saw his friends all around the room in this, you know, revelation or whatever you want to call it, this dream, this drug and dream. And it shook him and he turned to Christ and was saved. And so, you know, they can make kind of elaborate things. The Bible even tells us that Satan himself can appear as what? An angel of light. Right. And so he can, he can appear to be good and right. Um, here, here's the next question then. Would we say it is possible for, or are there biblical examples of demon possession? Uh, yeah, with, without a doubt. I mean, again, back to the Gospels and, uh, you know, the encounters that Christ had. You think about Mark chapter 5, which uh, this encounter is also recorded in the Gospel according to Matthew uh, chapter eight or chapter nine, if I'm not mistaken, uh, where the uh, man there from the Decapolis, uh, Jesus is is crossing the sea. This man had been making his living 
uh, in the tombs uh, there because he uh, was demon-possessed, no longer uh, able in a right mind to live uh, within, uh, what's the word I'm, I'm looking looking for here, within uh, any type of civility, I guess. And so he's making his living amongst the tombs, and uh, as Jesus crosses the sea with his disciples, uh, the man comes running and falls at the feet of Jesus, and then the, the conversation there that Christ has with him, uh, the, the demons reveal to themselves or give their name over to Christ. Of course, Christ already knew who this, all that was happening and the spirits that had possessed this man, but the, the demons call themselves legion for they are many. And, you know, as you go through that story, eventually when Jesus casts out those demons who have possessed this man for some time, uh, they go into the pigs on the hillside. I want to say there's 2,000 pigs on that, that hillside that day, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And, of course, the demons then lead those those pigs down off a cliff to, to their death. So there's there's instances like that uh, during Jesus' ministry that we have recorded in the Gospels of uh, demon possession, but uh, not just then. Uh, you know, there's, there's um, uh, if you think back to, uh, or a forward, I guess, from here, the book of Acts, and we, we see one who, uh, practiced the, the divination, and I don't, don't know that, um, you know, that we have as quite as many details as far as the conversation goes with this person, and, and Paul is what we had with, with Jesus and this man from the Decapolis, but we see yet again, though, uh, demonic, uh, presence there, and even possession. So, and, and you can fast forward uh, again to the book of Revelation and even the spirits that are going to be sent out to lead the kings of the earth, uh, we're told to that final battle there as, uh, uh, as, as things wind down, even with the seven, uh, seven bowls of God's wrath and judgment there. So, and, you know, I certainly believe that, uh, that still happens today as well. And there are some good, have been some good arguments and reasons given for perhaps why we don't see it as much today as even what we read about in the Gospels and as much as Christ encountered during that brief ministry of three to three and a half years. Why don't we see this as, as often in 21st century America or here in Appalachia? I, you know, I think there's a, a couple reasons there. Uh, you know, one is... I believe that uh, when Jesus Christ, the Son of God, second person of the Trinity, stepped, came down to this earth and took on flesh and began his ministry, I believe that Satan and all the forces of hell, as, as, as people like to say, at that moment, that part, that region where Jesus was doing his ministry became a hot spot uh, for the activity as Satan sought to thwart the work of Christ, of course, we know he could not do that and failed to do that, that Christ has defeated the one who has the power over death, who is the devil. Uh, but I think that is one reason. Um, I think that we can be quite blind to it uh, this day and time as well, especially in our culture and society where uh, we are so materialistic minded uh, that I think oftentimes we uh, do not see things uh through any type of a spiritual lens at times. Um, and then, you know, the, the third reason perhaps might be, you know, there are a limited number of, 
of demons, right? They're not a, an infinite number. We don't know how many exactly there are. We do know, it seems, from other teachings in Scripture, other places in Scripture, that even some of the demonic spirits are already in prison, though. And uh, in an abyss, as Revelation talks about, and will not be uh, released until uh, the events there in the latter days. But still, though, there's many, many. But you think about, what, 7 billion people uh, across this world and the activities that's demonic activity that happens. And the Appalachian region is not a very highly populated area, as you might consider some of the major cities worldwide. And um, so even if you played, I guess, the, the percentages, so to speak, um, it, it seems that probably uh, where there's higher percentage of people, the chances are more likely of seeing demonic activity. Uh, and then, you know, I think this the second part, or I guess this will be a third reason is, uh, or fourth reason now, I guess here, would, would just be uh, perhaps in uh, the work that uh, God is doing here and elsewhere, and even as Satan's trying to uh, orchestrate, you know, Satan is, is not uh, unable to strategize and to order, you know, his demonic forces in the work that he's trying to do to take as many image bearers of God with him uh, for eternity to the lake of fire. And so don't know exactly, you know, I, I don't know what that looks like, but I do understand that, you know, if we don't see it here necessarily as much, it could be because Satan is is working in, in other ways and uh, his forces in being organized are attacking in other areas right now, perhaps more so than what we would see here in Appalachia. Yeah, and at the same time that we're seeing people not being struck as much with demonic possession, Pastor John Piper talks about an incident. We may put it in the show notes. I don't know if we have time or not, or you can look it up yourself, where it was with some college students. They called him in for help in a particular situation. Um, I think I may have seen two instances in my lifetime of somebody, and it's sometimes difficult to tell if somebody's under demonic oppression versus possession, right? So like, and, and, and first of all, let me say, if you're a believer listening to this, you don't have to worry about possession because first John four, four makes it pretty clear that, you know, if Christ and the Holy spirit live within you, there's not going to be an evil spirit. That still doesn't mean you can't be oppressed. Right. Uh, remember what uh, CS Lewis said in his, quirky book, the screw tape letters, you know, that's a weird universe where up is down and down is up. And here's a quote from it. And uh, it says, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. And the other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialism or a, a magician with their same delight. So they like a materialist and they like a magician at the same delight. So, um, and I've had some people, you know, send me some, you know, there's some different people that I guess are illusionists that sometimes you look at that stuff and you go, gosh, is this demonic power that they're tapping into to be able to do the things that they do? Uh, you know, I don't know, but, um, there was an incident I saw once on the mission field when I was in Philadelphia where we were, they, it was really a poor tactic. We were surveying people at the corner of Love Park, if those of you who are familiar with Philadelphia. And it was an interchange, major artery. 
for people in the city. And I just started reading out of the book of Revelation loudly that day so people could hear as they walked by. And my partner who was with me said, a man in a suit heard me reading, looked at me, and he said, I began to struggle to read. And, and the whole time he stared at me, I was having a hard time getting words out of my mouth. You know, I just couldn't like pronounce things or, you know, read smoothly or fluidly. And he said, when the guy looked away across the road, I went back to reading normally. And so I didn't see it. He said he saw that. And then um, the other instance was actually in seminary. There was a student that we had there who uh, we thought may have possibly been demon possessed, but we didn't know for sure. He uh, would talk about hearing voices in his room. He would talk, he would leave uh, the, the stove on like the top of the stove, which could have caused a fire easily. Uh, we would see him out walking in the street, having intense conversations with no one. There would be no one there with him and just general overall odd behavior. Uh, we couldn't get him to say Jesus is Lord. He never would say that he would not say Jesus is Lord. So just sort of some odd things there with that. Now let's turn this conversation in a little more. At the same time that we are seeing people um, not be possessed maybe as much as we have in the New Testament times, it appears to me our culture is becoming increasingly infatuated with a supernatural worldview, even though they're not Christian. Would you say that's fair to say? Yeah, definitely. Where do we see this uh, manifested in in the in our in our culture? Where are people looking, uh, and where are we seeing them? Like, what are they what are they seeing that's supernatural? Trying to explain. Well, you know, you can take that Hollywood, um, and then of course uh, literature as well, where so many people, like you said, are are looking for the supernatural. They're looking for what many this day and time, right? They're not called demons uh, most of the time by the Hollywood and the literature that's seeking these supernatural encounters. The ghosts, I guess, would be the more common word, uh, but anything that they can try to show outside of the normal, whether it be heat signature on a camera, something moving uh, when you see no reason for it to move, uh, anything that they might can say, there's got to be something beyond the ordinary, beyond the natural, beyond the physical, uh, that is happening here to explain uh, whatever we're seeing or we're picking up with technology and, and those types of things. And I think a phenomenon we're seeing happen is like ghost hunting, right? Where people are spending money to buy this scientific equipment and people are now building, um, I, I forget the exact term it is, but they're, uh, like electric phenomenon voice boxes. Have you heard about this? And people make videos on YouTube where they're communicating with something on the other side that is manipulating those radio waves to make a voice. And uh, I, I think I'll be honest as a pastor, I would not mess with those things. I think that those things fall straight up in the demonic category. They go back to the Old Testament where Israel was told not to mess with diviners, not to mess with any of those things. And uh, I, I have I watched one of the videos. I was just interested in it. And the guy was talking about as he would have these sessions. So this isn't even from Hollywood. This is just like regular people in their basements doing this, right? Um, and he said he would be talking to these entities then what he thought he was talking to dead people. He thought he was speaking to people who were dead. Now, 
biblically, I think I would make the argument, and I think you would too, that once people die, they don't roam around the earth, right? That when people die, they they either are with Christ or they're not with Christ. They're carried off to a place of torment, like we see in the parable of Lazarus, right? Where the rich man and Lazarus. So I don't think people get to hang out, but I do believe there is something else out there that is not God honoring. And, you know, these spirits he would communicate with would say things like the Bible's false. Well, Mm. where does that come from? Right. That is the father of lies, right? And a deception. You know, you're going to, you're going to tear those things down. And, you know, he would talk about how he would get scratched and pushed and he would get ill for several days sometimes after having these sessions. And he would, and there would be times that, um, I remember one time I watched one where he thought he was talking to Michael Jackson, that some entity was pretending to be Michael Jackson who had, who had died and was sharing information with them from beyond. Very similar. If you went back and listened to our episode on shaman or on uh, new religious movements and the shamans and how they got that, you know, people in search of this secret knowledge that's not been revealed and can only come through these ways. Uh, so I think that you the, see that. You know, I guess another way to mention it, not only literature and, and Hollywood, but even in the number of, of mediums, mm-hmm. I guess, and, and spiritists that have seems just increased so much uh, and all across our, our country. But even, you know, you go to vacation spots in bigger cities, you can't drive down a major highway in some of these bigger cities without seeing signs advertising for you to come in and to have your palm read uh, for you to come in and have your future told. And so I, I think we even see it there as well. Yeah, I agree. It's a, it's a moneymaker, right? We saw that in the new Testament. Those people got angry when Jesus cast one of the unclean spirits out of that girl. I think you mentioned it earlier in the episode because she was making them money, right? And they That's wanted right. to leave. Uh, so uh, yeah, so there's a lot of different forms it takes. Another question we sometimes get as pastors is, since I talked about ghost hunters, you know, I mean, and there's, there are a lot of ghost hunting shows. Have you noticed that? There's a lot of ghost hunting videos on YouTube. Have you noticed that? People just go out and looking for these things. Yeah, I'm a little uncultured there in that part of it, but I do, I do know what you're talking about and referencing for sure. And like you said earlier, they they buy these cameras, they buy these recorders, they buy these different things to try to commune with them. And sometimes they get stuff. And, you know, the question is, as Christians, are we surprised that there's people interacting with the supernatural? And I think the answer again is no, because we hold a supernatural worldview, don't we? That's right. But, but we have to ask this question, the ghost hunting, the voice boxes, the spirit boxes, all these other attempts at connecting with something supernatural do they bring glory to god as he's revealed himself in the word of god or do they confuse and cause fear in people yeah without a doubt i i don't see how you make a valid argument for those things bringing glory to god because god's told us uh one how he's revealed himself to us god's told us where we find his will at and god's told us uh, how we are to commune with him, uh, to fellowship with him, and even to call out to him in prayer. And so when we begin taking these other routes that are not only not prescribed routes in Scripture to come to him, but are means that God has already declared in his words as being things that he does not approve of, that are not acceptable to him, uh, and begin trying to uh, play in this sort of realm 
uh, with our own fleshly desires and wisdom and knowledge, we are not inviting good things at that point. And uh, we are leading ourselves open to very, very dangerous area. Because like you said, we don't believe that a, a true believer can be possessed. But we better definitely understand that demon depression is something that, that happens and that, that, that they love anytime they find a way in to be able to pour out on even the child of God. Anytime they can, can, can cause disruption and confusion, I think, is, is yep. two of the games in the life of a believer. Uh, yep. One quick point I want to make on ghosts and people claiming to see loved ones or people who have died. There is this weird story, I'm going to go ahead and say it, I think it's weird, in 1 Samuel 28, 7 through 21. And in this story, Samuel is dead, and King Saul is still alive. And Saul is about to go to war and battle with a, with a pagan neighboring nation, and he wants counsel, right? Every king had his prophet, and he doesn't have his prophet, his prophet's deceased. So what does he do? He breaks the word of God, and he goes and finds the witch at Endor. And the witch at Endor conjures what seems to be the prophet Samuel. But in my opinion, there's a couple of problems, right? One problem is a conjurer conjured back one of God's people and prophets. That's problematic, right? Did that really happen? Do they really wield that kind of power? I don't think they do. The second thing that is problematic is that he was told that he and his sons, all his family, would die the next day, and it didn't happen. Mephibosheth survived and lived on in the house of David until he died of natural old age. And so there is a prophecy that Samuel, or whatever that was that was conjured up, got wrong, which leads me to the question of then, was it really Samuel? Or was it something else posing as Samuel? You can't tell me demons, if they can pretend to be an angel of light, cannot pretend to be a fallen human being who has died. Mm. Yeah, without a doubt, that's a, a very real possibility. You know, one of the things about that text is you read through that story. I think this uh, time of conjuring up the spirit the name Samuel is given, though, like five times. It's been a while since I've really studied this passage, but five times, I believe, that spirit is called by the name of Samuel. And so it's just interesting how that plays out. And, you know, one thought of pushback on that that first point, and I don't think there is any good pushback on your second point. When you talk about that the prophecy given is not completely fulfilled, that right there is the line for me. Because when God speaks, he speaks in truth always, and uh, he doesn't have a misstep or a mishap in prophecy. But, you know, one area on that first thought of pushing back, it, it could be not necessarily that the the witch actually had the power to conjure up and bring back a child of God in spirit form. Uh, you know, the pushback there could be from some or would be from some that God allowed uh the spirit of Samuel to come back in this moment to speak here. But the problem then that can't be surpassed is your second point. Why does it not play out exactly as the message was given? That to me is the tell all there in that story. I agree completely. Let me leave our listeners here. I'm going to land the plane right here. Uh, do you have any closing thoughts before I do? You know, I, I guess probably the only 
two stories that come to mind demonic encounters I was actually here in, in northeast Tennessee had been a pastor for a few years had a church member that was having a procedure done it was an outpatient procedure but I had gone there to where that was going to be at the the place where the procedure would be of course prayed with the church member and then was sitting with church members family during the procedure and as I was sitting there I had my back I sat right in front of the window to the nurses, uh, but with my back to the window. And these two young men came in and things got really odd, uh, really quick. And um, I don't even realize at the time it took one of my church members who was looking the other way, kind of watching my back to tell me, but that these two young men come in and the nurses immediately are kind of on edge because of the way they're acting, the language is being used and, and, Seems from what I'm told, one of the two two young men takes out a huge knife out of his body and standing right behind me at the time, and I don't even realize it. I'm kind of oblivious somehow, and begins cutting something up out of his pocket and discarding it in the trash can, but also talking rather hatefully to the nurse. Well, by the time the one that came in for the the procedure gets called back, the other one goes out to his car and is having a conversation with himself the whole time and just angry look on his face and then he begins digging through his trunk and taking out what appeared to have been a gun case and so to the point that the cops are called and this young man eventually is handcuffed and put on the curb i left after the my church member got that procedure but i remember thinking that day something's just more abnormal than usual here but another instance I had was early one morning my dad and I were going fishing we had stopped at a gas station it was probably five in the morning to put uh, gas in the boat I had gone into the convenience store to get some snacks to put in the boat I was coming out and there was an old vehicle parked right at the front door windows are down uh, car is running but I began hearing this the only way I know how to describe it is a hissing noise I mean just an aggressive I don't even try to imitate it hissing noise and so I looked down in the window of the car because I'm thinking somebody's something's wrong and someone's in trouble and I see this man's arm he's probably a little younger than I was laying on the center console with a needle sticking out and as I look down I began getting just lacerated with language that I definitely could not share on this podcast and it is coming from a tone and a voice that you know when you think about what would demon possession sound like this was it that, that that you can imagine. And I don't know this for sure, but it just I remember the just thinking, is this what I'm encountering right now? And I'll never forget that moment. Uh it was it was crazy. But I think, you know, when you go fast forward, I'll make this real quick. When you fast forward to the book of Revelation, one of the words that talks about uh demon worship ties in in the Greek to also substances that are used to give an ulterior uh, mindset or to take you out of what would be normal in a mindset. And so uh, I just, you know, I know that day's coming. And I think perhaps even now that this substance abuse gives an opportunity for possession or oppression that people might not realize they're opening themselves up to and being involved with these things. Thank you for sharing those, and I I couldn't agree more. The the possession uh, can take you know may not look exactly the way we thought, and I I think sometimes in our culture we may mistake possession for mental illness or substance abuse. 
and sometimes they fall into those categories. Not to say everyone who is mentally ill is demonically possessed or oppressed, but it can't always be ruled out. Um, I got a good friend here. He serves in our worship team at the church, and he he works as security at a hospital that's, you know, uh, level one trauma center. So they bring all the big cases in and he has seen some things, uh, from patients brought in that were hard to explain. So, you know, people, a guy that had the strength of 10, you know, three or four big 300 pound guys couldn't hold him down. He didn't weigh 120 pounds soaking wet things that are just odd. We see that in the book of acts, right? Remember that one demon that tore up a couple of guys trying to exercise him. And they said, you know, Paul, I know Jesus, I know, but who are you? And then they they went at it. You know what I mean? So there can be a violent side for those that, that show possession, but uh, if you're listening to this and maybe you're a little scared and gosh, how do I think about this? Let me just land the plane on two thoughts here, right? I don't believe in ghosts of de- deceased people walking around. I don't believe in aliens. You know, I really don't. I, I don't believe in any of that stuff. I think it all falls in the category of confusion and, you know, demons are behind all of that, all of that stuff. Here's the, I'm going to give you a warning and an encouragement, right? Here's the warning. You need to avoid seeking out encounters with unclean spirits. Avoid that. Deuteronomy 18.10 says that. Isaiah 8.19, because it does not end well, right? Now, if you're just in a situation or a place like Pastor John was where he was called in, he wasn't seeking that. He was kind of pulled into it. That's different, right? Than, Than going out in a graveyard at midnight with a EVP box, right? I don't think it's really good to do that. Second thing is this. We need to remember that demons may be powerful as they're shown to be in scripture, but God is greater still, right? Remember first John four, four. And so if you're with Christ, you have nothing to fear. So that's right. That's a good word. All right. We're going to go ahead and land the plane here. Thank you, Jaron, for being with us and uh, look forward to our next time. Sounds great. You have been listening to the Appalachian Baptist network. Thanks for joining us. If you have a question or comment for our host, please send an email to AppalachianBaptistNetwork at gmail.com or send us a voice message on our Anchor website page at anchor.fm slash Appalachian-Baptist-Network. Join us again next Monday.